We're in John chapter 14. 14 happens to be one of the most comforting chapters in the book of John and really in all of the New Testament. It's a chapter where Jesus comforts his disciples and he comforts us as believers and He's about to go uh, away from his disciples via the cross, and he begins what is called the upper room discourse. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and believe in my Father. Belief, when Scripture speaks of belief, it means to trust in and rely upon. It's not just to simply acknowledge a truth. We say belief, and sometimes we, uh, we think it's just agreeing with a truth. But it means putting your hope and trust into Jesus. And Jesus, will he, he's going to tell his disciples, I go, I'm leaving, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, let me challenge your thinking a little bit on that verse. The mansions that Jesus talks about, I don't believe it's necessarily a home that he's preparing for us, uh, not a house. But I think it's probably he's preparing a body type for us. Paul talks about this tent that he lives in. And I think Jesus, when he mentions mansions, he's talking about an eternal body that will be able to uh, put on immorality, uh, an ageless, painless, eternal body, one that is equipped to relate spiritually to our Lord with no hindrances. We battle through our flesh and blood any time we attempt to fellowship with the Lord uh, it seems like this old flesh gets in the way. But Paul said it this way. He says, we will put on incorruption. When Adam sinned, when man sinned, death entered into our DNA. It is appointed unto man to once die. The dwelling place that Jesus speaks of, our new body, it will not experience aging or corruption or death. And Jesus continues, if I go away, and he's speaking to his disciples and to us, I will come back to you. And he will come back in two ways. First, he will be raised from the grave. He will uh, have a resurrected body. And he says, but I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you a comforter, my Holy Spirit. So, as a disciple of Jesus, we are to believe what he said. If for no other reason, we are to believe him because of his works. He pointed to his works as proof of the truth of his words. Many critics of Christianity 
speak of believing in Jesus as a great leap of faith. That great leap of faith by Jesus, he says, hey, wait a minute. You want to believe in me? Look at my works. Just look at the proof of my miracles. He says, then it's not so hard to believe. However, the disciples, they're, they're saddened by Jesus' words of leaving them. And then in verse 18, Jesus declares, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, in Israel at this time, uh, there were many teachers that drew disciples to themselves. And they would gather followers to themselves. And the followers would call their leader father. But if that leader dies, the believers, the followers became orphans. So Jesus addresses this thinking. He says, uh, first, I will die, but I will be resurrected. And Jesus says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit as a provider, as an instructor, as a defender, as a comforter. And not only that, Jesus says, I'll come to you. So let's read Jesus' words to his disciples, and we pick it up in John 14, verse 19. And he says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but it's the Father who sent me. Jesus is doing his utmost to prepare the disciples for his departure. He has spoken to the disciples, uh, I want you to understand. I want you to know what's going on. And I want you to come and abide with me, not in a mental, just sort of physical way, but through the Holy Spirit. To have the Holy Spirit indwell us is to know him in an up-close, personal spiritual way and he gives his spirit to all believers now jesus is leaving but jesus also speaks of himself and his father dwelling in each and every believer paul talks about this being the mystery of christianity is that christ dwells in us via and by his holy spirit the holy spirit is given to every believer. 
And Jesus will again describe in verses 25 and 26. He says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus, he speaks words of assurance. And they're words of comfort that the Holy Spirit will bring to us. The Helper, another name for the Holy Spirit, will teach us as believers all things about God and how to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. The, the Gospels were written by disciples of Jesus and they prove how the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance all of Jesus' words to them. For they wrote the Gospels after Jesus has been resurrected and ascended into heaven. And he says, these things will happen. And, he's, and, and we have things happening like the resurrection. And the disciples recall it to resurrection. Oh, yeah. Jesus told us that after three days he would rise. The Holy Spirit is an ongoing, continuous helper in our lives. Perhaps you have observed we need the help of the Holy Spirit once or twice a week. No, daily, constantly, we need the Holy Spirit. And the only way Jesus could be that constant help to us is he had to leave and give us his Holy Spirit to indwell us. The Holy Spirit, unseen but very real. So, knowing that the Holy Spirit is very real, wanting to be my comforter and helper, and I'm so callous, so unspiritual sometimes. So I try to pray on a regular basis, Lord, make me and keep me aware of your spirit. Don't allow me to get caught up in my daily duties and responsibilities and my daily chores that I miss the leading and guiding of your spirit. I need, you need to be sensitive to the spirit of God. We need to realize he's there with us. And if we're not careful, the world and all its cares can distract us from our daily fellowship with the living God. Can distract us from the call that God has put upon our lives. Then we have Jesus and he speaks of the benefits of being a believer. And that's in verses 27 through 31. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. Or my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I no longer 
uh, will talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and is nothing in me. But the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Jesus will take a very common saying uh, of Israel of that day and of today, and that is he's taken the word shalom, peace, and he gives it strength and he gives it meaning. Shalom was, is a warm greeting in Israel. It's also goodbye. So hello and goodbye is summed up in the word shalom. Jesus will emphasize shalom as peace I leave with you. He said, my peace I give to you. Jesus has given the Holy Spirit, the helper. Now Jesus gives the disciples his peace. Now remember, Jesus has already been to Gethsemane. He knows what lies ahead of him, yet he still has peace. And now he says, I want to give you disciples my peace. Have you ever watched a beauty pageant like Miss America on TV? They interview these ladies, and uh, often these contestants will uh, be asked what they desire for humanity. They usually smile very graciously and blurt out, world peace. What is that? The peace that Jesus offers is not just being free from trouble. Jesus offers peace in the midst of the storms of life. Peace to face disappointments. Life can be very frustrating at times. He offers us peace from worry and concerns that always seem to come our way regardless of who you are. Troubles and trials seem to be a way of life. They can paralyze us, keep us from receiving daily peace from Jesus. We can fret and we do worry over things and events that are all around us. I can be an absolute worrier if I allow myself to. I can worry about nonsensical things. But recently, just within the last couple weeks, my oldest grandson in California entered high school. He's really rather small for his age, but he's a good little athlete. And he wanted to try out for the baseball teams at his school, and they had tryouts. He didn't make the team. Not to be discouraged, they were having soccer tryouts the next week. Well, he didn't make the soccer team either. And at the age of 14, 
Caleb suffered sports rejection. Now, if you've ever tried out and not made the team, you can relate to Caleb. All his years of Little League, nothing. All his soccer teams and all that he's played and participated in, they don't transfer to high school. And I, as his grandpa, I suffer with him. <laughs> and But that's a microcosm of life. So Papa prays for his grandson. I pray for that young lad, that God will give him a peace about not making the team. Very important to him at this point in his life. But perhaps you need peace. Peace that Jesus only can give you about perhaps the lack of promotion at a job. The lack of unity in family relationships. Or maybe you feel caught in a rut concerning your health. Time goes on and you're not getting any physically relief or you're not getting any better. It only seems to get worse. Life can be full of disappointments and what I call speed bumps. We all get to speed bumps. Areas where you feel defeated, where you feel unsatisfied, and you feel like you're the one that the promises of God doesn't necessarily apply to. You feel like somehow you have fell through the cracks. You ever feel that way? Perhaps your finances are a mess. <laughs> no progress in getting out of debt. Your savings are not going up. They're depleting. I challenge you to look for, pray for, the peace that Jesus promises in the midst of your troubles. Jesus doesn't offer us peace from our troubles, but peace in the midst of our troubles. We can have God's peace right in the middle of chaos. Jesus in verse 30, he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, our time together and it's been with them for three and a half years, is about over. I will not be your constant companion much longer. The ruler of this world is coming, and that's Satan, who has been given the leadership of the world. Jesus admits this world belongs to Satan, but we belong to Jesus. So as disciples of Jesus, guess what? We can expect difficulties. There you go. Expect troubles. Trials and tribulation become a way of life. And we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, powers of darkness, against anti-God principalities, against a culture that makes light of believing. Now, 
I guess I'm an optimist, but I'm guilty of desiring the good life where there's no problems. Wanting all my family to love and understand one another. Life to be that yellow brick road. And when troubles come, and they do, why am I surprised? Why am I disheartened? Jesus told us, if the world hated me, guess what? It's going to hate you. Now, there's a promise that you want to hang on your refrigerator. I think I'll go out and be hated today. A few years back, uh, I had a cousin about my, uh, he was a little younger than me, not much, and he died of stomach cancer. And he had been to this one and to that one to get prayer about his cancer. And he realized that he was dying. We went to visit him, Lori and I, and all I could tell him for his words of comfort was, you have fought the good fight. Take comfort in having left your family a good Christian testimony. And he did. He's lived his life. He's dying. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Things are going to get messy. You're going to be troubled. But I'm about to go to the cross. And he encourages his disciples right on the eve of him going to the cross, experience my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. So, as believers, experience the peace Jesus gives. Peace right in the middle of your troubling situation. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Now, we will have men... In the prayer area that would be happy to pray with you about anything that is troubling you. Anything that's stealing your peace, Jesus wants to give you peace. Peace that the world doesn't understand. Amen? So let's pray together. Father God, we can go through life with great expectations, and when those expectations are not met, we become troubled and we become fretful. And Lord, we get our eyes away from you. We get our eyes away from the fact that life is so brief and so temporary and that we will soon be out of here. And we forget the great promises you give us. So Lord, refresh our hearts. Renew our spirit within us with your peace with your understanding. And Lord, right in the middle of all our difficulties, we pray that you would encourage us, that you would come alongside of us by your Spirit, be that helper, be that comforter, be that one that we need, be all that we need, Lord, as we go through our, our lives of difficulty. And life can be difficult, 
But you have promised us peace, Lord. Peace right in the middle of all our troubles. Right in the middle of all our expectations that are not met. You promise us peace. And we give you thanks for that. So, Lord, bless us with your peace. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.